Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. It's the 5 o'clock fire. Ah, it is 5 o'clock. Congratulations. Hopefully you're off work. Luckily for you, old Dirty Show and T-Mill have the latest. And the latest, this is interesting. I'm not sure how much he was on the radar of the uh, the Texans, but we know their relationships there. But even more interesting, uh, there, were, uh, there were betting sites. I know I heard Sean and, and uh, Seth talking about it this morning that Brian Flores was the betting favorite right now to take over the Arizona Cardinals job. Well, well, that has not happened because Brian Flores, who was with the Steelers uh, last year with the Dolphins, uh, before that as the head coach, uh, he has uh, decided to take the Vikings defensive coordinator job. Uh, they fired their coach after uh, after a tough end of the season, especially how they ended against Daniel Jones and the Giants. Uh, but he is going to go and coach under Kevin O'Connell, uh, who's the head coach over there with the Vikings, and take that job. So... A couple of things here. One, we'll see where the Cardinals go. But, Clint, I, I, it does make me wonder, what are the Texans going to do at D.C.? What are the Texans going to do at defensive coordinator? Uh, because he is uh, he is a guy that's off the list. I just heard Steve Wilkes is talking about going uh, to San Francisco. It'll be interesting to see where they go in that, in that decision. Well, look, I, I'll be on record. I, I hope D'Amico Ryans calls plays on the defensive side of the football. So you're all right with that. Yeah, you're ab- good with absolutely. that. Absolutely. 100%. No question about it. Do you um, like him doing it like Lovey? I didn't like that Lovey. I, I took, when Lovey didn't name a DC, it made me wonder was Lovey like running everything like he's the defensive coordinator, like running meetings, running. Yeah, you know everything. I, yeah, I, didn't, I, I, don't, I didn't love that. I, I don't know. I mean, he's obviously got to put a staff together and, and help. But I, look, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think you are a defensive minded coach. It's the best defensive play caller in the game, not named Belichick, and you bring him in. And what do you do? You 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 don't, or he decides not to call plays. Like I, to me, I hope he does. Look again, until D'Amico gives me any reason to to, to believe otherwise, I, I'm a hundred percent behind whatever decisions he's making, and and we'll see how it all unfolds. But my my personal opinion is. I want an offensive-minded play caller that's calling plays, and if I got a defensive-minded head coach, I want a defensive-minded head coach calling plays. Now, if he graduates to a point where he wants to CEO this thing and just oversee everything, then so be it. But, but I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with what you were doing. You are the best in the game at. We're going to hire you because of what we saw you you were doing, and we're going to bring you here. And then oh. We don't want you to do that anymore. We want you to just be a be a a, a, a CEO. I, I'm personally not a fan of that. But to, with this news, you're talking about Brian Flores um, taking you know, over as a DC in Minnesota, t- taking over as as a, a DC in Minnesota, and then on the flip side of it, Steve Wilkes, the old the interim coach that was at Carolina, uh, I believe, is interviewing for the 49ers. A lot job. of people think he's going to go there, yeah. and as a defensive coordinator there, the, the significance there for us in Houston is. If that does happen, one would think that it would clear the way for one of two different guys, maybe even both, I guess, to some degree, that were on D'Amico's defensive staff in San Francisco to potentially come to Houston. The thought was uh, Chris Kosirik is is a uh, defensive line coach in, with the 49ers right now, 19 years experience. His name's um, been mentioned. A lot of folks thought he may just be elevated to, to the defensive coordinator in, with the 49ers. Um, now that that doesn't appear to be happening, I would think it would clear a way for, for him to come to Houston with D'Amico if he so chooses. And then the defensive pass game uh, specialist and secondary coach, Corey Undlin, 
was another guy that that's in line to be a defensive coordinator, at least according to reports. Twenty years in the league, I would bet one of those guys ends up here here in Houston with D'Amico as as a uh, as a play caller. It'll be interesting. I now, can't... title play caller, T- defensive, defensive defense coordinator. Yeah. But you, your hope is that they're not calling plays. That'll be interesting. You know, I can't wait. Next time we talk to McLean, you know he's against that. What calling plays? The coach, yeah, the I coach, mean, I, offense or defense calling plays. Look, I, I would, I would rather because here, here's, here's the only arc to me. The only, the only thing that makes sense is he's maybe a better game manager um, in terms of managing situational football kind of thing in the game. Like I don't understand what other advantage it is other than like his mindset's totally different. Instead of being totally engaged with the defense, you're you're kind of managing on game day what the offense is doing as well. And I understand that, not pushing back. I'm just saying outside of that, I don't know what the advantage is. Yeah, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind if he wasn't the defensive play caller depending on who is hired. Yeah, right, like if it's if it, it's man. somebody if it's somebody that's young or like, I, or like one of these names you're even, naming, but, but, I like I, I'm good on that. Nah, I'm, like I, so you be good. I'm just asking. I'm just like you be good if 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 Sean Payton took the job and he didn't call plays offensively. No, I I, I feel like that is that is I feel like that's a bit different with the offense to me. I think that the I think Fair. with the with the offense and the quarterback to me that's different with the defense. Like if it were the last two guys we're talking about, Brian Flores or yeah. Steve Wilkes, yeah. who have been defensive play callers. I I I am good with I would trust them, but not someone real young. Like Ooh. if you're gonna tell me between Lovey and Miles Smith, you know I want I'd rather yeah, Lovey. I, I gotta have I gotta have depend on who he's doing. I gotta have D'Amico. I, I gotta have him pushing the buttons. I gotta have him on the ones and twos for this defense, man. At, at least at I don't least, think it makes him a worse coach or anything. I, yeah. I would be mad. I would have an issue with either one of them. But well, I, I tell you, I tell you, let me tell you what I do. If I was D'Amico, what I put him on front street. I, I I'd say yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna call plays. And I'm gonna have Nick in the booth, and, and Nick's gonna handle these situations for me. <laughs> Let's not don't do hey, that, man. First no. time, first time old situation gets mishandled, I'm be like, hey Nick, where you at, man? Turn around, <laughs> boy, up there, hey, these boys down here asking questions about that decision we made. Thanks, yeah. guys, appreciate you, it. You no problem, to, Nick. You need to slide in this one. <laughs> Five o'clock fire. All right. Um, speaking of, of head coaches here, Sean Payton, who has taken over uh, the job. Who is the who is his DC? Has he? Has he hired somebody? Oh, I forgot. Who was that he hired? Find that. That's not important. I'm just trying to think of the. Golly, I saw the report this weekend. It was it was not Easy Row ever. No, no, he's with Carolina. He's going to Carolina. All right, here, just just Cheryl and you find it real quick. But uh, Broncos head coach Sean Payton, uh, he is uh, he met and and was officially announced the head coach uh, of the uh, the Denver Broncos. And of course, the number one thing is what's going to happen with Russ. How are things going to be with Russ? How different are they going to be? Are you going to be able to fix Russ? Well, one of the things that Russ was talking about and, and things talked about with Russ is having his own personal staff, including coaching, in the building. This is uh, Sean Payton when he was asked about that. Coach, uh, Russell Wilson had a personal coach, Jake Hughes, in the building with access who wasn't on the staff. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that. Right, how do you feel about um, players having their own people off the staff in the building access to players? Yeah, that's foreign to me that that's not going to take place here i mean i i'm i'm unfamiliar with it but our staff will be here our players will be here and that'll be it all right that's uh that's him putting his foot down baby sean payton i i i would i would assume that since we've known that denver was going to to go with sean payton since it was reported it's been several days i would assume him and russ have had a heart to heart and that this isn't the first time 
he's he's making a statement. Because this is a statement. No, we ain't going to have no, yeah. no other coach. I would assume that he has already had a conversation with Russ about this. Well, I, I don't I know. I wish if, I was there for that come to I, Jesus meeting. I don't know if Russ has been in Denver. I would imagine Sean is the guy that's going to want to sit down with him face-to-face. It's not going to be a phone call and, and none of that kind of conversation. So I don't know if they've had that conversation or not. But you just got a little peek behind the curtain of how Sean Payton's going to handle things. That's very Bill Parcells-like in terms of of he's he's going to run his his uh, his team a certain kind of way and 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 again if if you don't like it you're not going to be there and and now obviously they're tied to to, to Russ and Russ but Russ is going to have to adjust in a in a big big way and and he will Sean is Sean is is damn sure not Jake Heaps who I believe is a a, a quarterback a quarterback trainer um, that that actually does some stuff with. With uh, Russell, not just him personally, but some some some, some training uh, stuff he does in the off season. That there, I do recall. I don't remember all the details of this story, but the more we talk about it, I do recall seeing him on the sideline and and people talking about that. It, that's not going to fly with Sean. You, you, there ain't no doubt about it. That's not going to fly with Sean. Yeah, and and speaking of that, I, I'm looking at this Quincy Avery, who is a quarterback coach. Yeah, works with a lot of guys, including Deshaun and Justin Fields, a lot of guys. His response to this, interesting. I'd probably want the most valuable asset to be happy and not have one of the people he talks to the most not uh, to have my full support, but to each their own. Yeah, no. I, 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 well, I think Russ has lost that at this point. And, and, and I think Sean Payton is a certain type of guy where, like, he's earned enough to not have – I, I, so if I, he doesn't want it, to I, not I've, have other I've said this a million times, and I, I, we, I've talked about it on on the 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 practice field. Um, this, this to me, this is a, and I don't know how familiar Quincy is with with the details of the story, but I, I believe this is quite like significantly more involved, like in meetings and on the sidelining during the games, on the practice field. And at practice, kind of thing. I, this isn't just your quarterback trainer in the offseason that uses a facility. Like I said, th- this is, I think this is extreme. And, and, and I, I've said before, even talking about Nick Casario, like I don't think coaches want the general manager at midfield playing catch the receivers. Like I just don't think most coaches, I don't, I don't believe want that, right? Much less, much less a, a quarterback trainer on the sideline during a game. Like no, nah, that, that's I mean, Sean's not gonna go for it. I, I don't know any, I don't know any. I mean, you've been a you've you've coached kids like that, which no, I would never. I, I would, would I would un- never. You would even feel uncomfortable if Russ asked. Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I would I would advise Russ to not like. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. Why would you want another voice in your ear that's not that's not brought to you by the heck? Like in that moment, in the off season, do what you want to do. I don't care. Like do what you want to do. Hey. Even in season, if every Wednesday you need a 30-minute session after practice to make sure your foot works right, to make sure you're stepping into your throws, to make sure you're, you're doing things, hey, cool. You need – every quarterback needs that. And if the team's not going to provide it, then then that's cool. But that's not – to my knowledge, that's not what we're talking about. Like, do do some – anybody listen, like, do, like Google this situation with, with – it's Jake Heaps, H-E-A-P-S, and Russell Wilson. I'm pretty sure, show, that it's like – over-the-top intrusive to to a head coach that knows what the hell he's doing anyway. Five o'clock fire. All right, the biggest story, one of the biggest stories of the sports world over the weekend, Clint. Um, uh, you know, I had, I had to get it, get it together a little bit. Um, the Mavs, the Dallas Mavericks, they trade 
for Kyrie Irving trading away a couple of young pieces that are that are big parts of the big parts of their team. Spencer Dinwiddie, who was probably arguably their second best player, second or third best player, and Dory Finney-Smith, a big who can shoot, and a couple of uh, picks, including a first. They trade him. Uh, they trade those pieces to the Brooklyn Nets for Kyrie Irving. Uh, LeBron has already since said he's come out publicly and said he was disappointed um, uh, that the Lakers weren't able to get Kyrie, and they were asking for a a major major haul. This will be interesting, Clint. I I, I don't know if Luca can can handle this. To be frank with you, I don't I don't know how many people can handle. Kyrie. I think LeBron, who has done it before, probably has the best shot. And I, Mark Cuban, who had to sign off on this, this is, even if, if you don't know basketball, if you don't know nothing, you got a star player like Luka, you're going to bring in this piece, this type of potential there. Uh, you're running a real risk here with your, with your top player. I understand you're trying to win, but yeah, I I, I I wonder how Luca handles Kyrie. Well, I, the, here's the interesting thing, and, and I, why I, why I thought it was crazy that that Dallas is even mentioned in in the in the potential uh, of getting. They uh, made it happen uh, quick. They made it happen, right? It's like you're taking. You, you, this is a guy that needs the ball in his hands, and you're taking it out of Luca's hands. Like, what? How does that? Like the the, the, the dynamic with with Kyrie and 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 LeBron makes sense because LeBron needs a Kyrie. I mean that 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 guy is somebody that he feeds off of, and he be, he's willing to allow Kyrie to be Kyrie. He's not somebody that's just gonna that this has to have the ball. Right, right. Yeah, he's right. willing to. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the point. Like, and, but Luca's not. Hell, Luca. We haven't had, seen that part of it. We, we hadn't seen that. But and why Kevin was, works with him because Kevin can run off of screens. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that at first that was that was interesting to me. But if you look at Dallas, I'll ask you: Do you think Dallas was good enough to win anything the way they were? No. So, so you take here, here's what at first glance for me, I was like, hell no, Dallas ain't even gonna be interested. But you go, it's it's a one year rental for now. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, at the end of the well, well that's the secure. At the end of the day, if it doesn't work, and he starts disrupting Luca and disrupting your team, and what for whatever reason, you can just part ways with him. Now you paid a little, you paid a, a, <laughs> yeah, a yeah, stiff, you paid one of but, your young players, and but a you of picks, you can but, yeah. roll the dice and 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 see what happens. And so, look, I I, I don't. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but but I feel like the, the Dallas Mavericks are a better basketball team right now than they were yesterday. Now, gen- yeah, generally you think like especially in basketball, two smart guys that are really really skilled, like two guys who can both shoot, who yep. can both pass, who can both get to the bucket, like they'll find a way to make it work. But you just don't know what you're yep. getting from Kyrie. Every, like you literally do not know where he will be in a week. Yeah, mentally where he'll be in two weeks, right? And my only part is, like, yes, the NBA is about scoring and stuff, but generally down the stretch of games, like, you got to stop people, and those two are non-defenders. I mean, you got your two best your yeah. two best players are non-defenders, and they got to be out there on the court. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's one that is intriguing. Five o'clock fire. I want to. I do want to get this one out before we we get out of here on five o'clock fire. Clint, um, Tom Brady says he'll start with Fox Sports in twenty twenty four. He is not going to start his broadcasting career this next up, upcoming season. So Greg Olson will be on the number one team again. He'll call the Super Bowl, and he's apparently doing it because he wants to really improve 
and, uh, and and get and get better and really just go in there with a full year to really learn the craft and to be better as a uh, as a broadcaster. So I respect Tom for that. Good for Tom Brady. I think so Tom. I, to. I, I, I think Tom just needs a little bit of a break. So what's he gonna do? He gonna go get some? He gonna go get sit down with a coach or something? He's gonna. I, I bet he's gonna be working with Fox. I bet they're gonna. I bet they're gonna have like. Did, did you ever do that? Did you ever have to do like fake games? No. I know Tony Romo. I, I, I walked right in and said, "Hey man, I'd like to get on next year's list to probably call some." Damn, call, they trust you. I, well, no, I think they just needed me. I, I, I literally walked in and said, "Hey, I'd like to get on a list next year to 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 call some games." You know, I'd like to. Do, he was like, "What do you got next weekend?" Do they have the USFL? What if times out there doing some of them USFL games? Get some <laughs> oh, live, that would be some great. live reps. And I think that, like Tony Romo, him and Jim, uh, behind Phil Simms' back, they were uh, they were practicing doing like. You think so? Pra- oh, I know. So I know they were. They were cheating. <laughs> I just on got Phil. the red carpet. We're wanting to get into a controversy. <laughs> Phil must hate Jim Nance as much as I do. He must, he ran his ass off. He must hate Jim as much as I do. All right, coming up. There are some names that are circulating about the offensive staff that could be here for the Texans. I'm going to get your thought. There are three potential names that you'd be surprised. Clint's been nervous about the offensive staff. Clint's getting Clint's getting intrigued. He's getting intrigued. We'll let you know those names coming up next. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. All right, Clint. I, I, you know, I, I know for you, you've been consistent. This offensive staff, this is, uh, this is major, major of importance for you. Like you, I think you even went and said, I'll really be able to breathe easy when I find out, completely breathe easy when I find out who the offensive staff is. And I remember the name, one name that continued to be connected even before D'Amico was hired was the offensive passing game coordinator for the 49ers, Bobby Slowick. And I just remember the first time, and it felt like you were that impressed. Like the first time you saw him, he's like, oh, man, he's only been coaching for a couple of years, passing game coordinator. It didn't seem like you were impressed. It feels like... You change a little bit, Clint. I, I just trying to figure out what it, what did Bobby do to you? Yeah, look, I I don't think Bobby did much of anything. I I think it's it's <laughs> I I read I read an article that that uh, was kind of outlining some of the possibilities for the Texans, and 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 one of them was was uh, something that I could get on board with real real quick, and it, it was Bobby Slowick, which I, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to learn more uh, about him, and and obviously the more you learn, the 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 more there is to like. Um, because really the only thing that I've found not to like is the the lack of experience calling plays at the NFL level, the lack of experience on the offensive side of the football, generally speaking. Outside of that, everything you hear is is really, really good stuff. And, and But it's still not enough to get me over the hump to where I'm like, yeah, D'Amico, this dude needs to be calling plays in Houston. And, oh, by the way, he's calling plays for the first time in his career. Oh, by the way, he's been nothing but a passing game coordinator <laughs> Uh, in, in a in a really really good system, which, which oh you, by the way, that system runs the football better than everybody else, not throws the football yeah. better than everybody else. So I, it's just one of those where I'm like him him alone doesn't do much for me. But but when I read this article, show it started kind of lining. It's, it, it it was two articles I read back to back, and one of them had Bobby Slowick and Clint Kubiak. Um, one Slowick as the offensive coordinator and Clint Kubiak. As the quarterback coach, Clint Kubiak obviously has been in the league for for quite some time. 
Um, he's been a quarterback coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. Most recently, he was a passing game coordinator and the quarterback's coach, unfortunately, in Denver. I know that's not real sexy, but but nonetheless, you, you, now we're, we're talking about not just one guy, but we're talking about building around a quarterback with with other guys that that have very similar backgrounds uh, and and guys that do have a little bit of experience calling plays. And for me, all along, it's been it's not just about the play caller. Um, to me, it's about and it was never it was never just about the offensive minded head coach, which I was a big fan of. If you get him, it's about. I need to know 100%. I need to be confident that the quarterback room is taken care of in every sense of the phrase. Like who's in that quarterback room on a daily basis? What kind of game, what kind of plays and what kind of offense are we designing for this quarterback? How's the communication on a daily basis? Um is he getting what he needs at practice? Once you get to a game, is is the the game plan wrapped around his skill set and consistently putting him in position to have success? It, the timing, does that offensive play caller have the feel for the game of when to call pa- passes, when to call runs, when to go play action, how to protect this guy, how to bring a young quarterback along if that is the direction the Texans go. I just need to know that that is taken care of cuz I'll be honest with you, I thought Bill O'Brien did a piss poor job of 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 you know, he was square pegging round hold Deshaun Watson for for three years. Um, then I thought keeping Tim Kelly around with whatever the hell was going on with David Culley, I thought that was a joke. And then you look, and, and in hindsight, I thought Pep Hamilton was going to be an upgrade. But in hindsight, whatever the hell Pep was was doing offensively, it, to in my opinion, was was not even on par with your average offenses out there. I mean, you you it was not just the production and the talent; it was awful what they were doing, and so. Like I've I've got to be convinced. For me, as much as I like D'Amico Ryan's, I got to be convinced. Show that that offensive side of the football, and I'm talking about the the more intimate the 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 the, the person gets with the quarterback, the more important they are, right? And and I feel like Bobby Slowick just in in a vacuum, him alone. Eh, I mean, but now I, the village, the 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 crew, bingo. That's, you said that's it. What it. It takes a village, right? All of a sudden. You're going to bring in Clint Kubiak, which I got to believe we all, we heard Gary Kubiak on In the Loop a little earlier, which, by the way, you can use that Odyssey app. That rewind feature is pretty cool. And you can go back and listen to Gary. He, he had some good stuff to say. But I got to believe that if Clint Kubiak's in the fold, I mean, Gary may be in the fold regardless. But if Clint's in there, he's even got more incentive to be more involved. And now you now you potentially have, you have an interest from a guy that's won a Super Bowl, one of the best offensive minds in the game over the last last many years. You know, like like that right there, I can see I can get real excited about that shaping up around the quarterback show. I, I and I, I'm not saying that's enough. I'm just saying I like the direction it's going of them getting deeper than just the 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 offensive play caller. Okay, we're gonna bring a guy that's had play calling experience as a quarterback coach. Now his pops obviously is well known in this area would probably be involved. I, to me that's something I can really, really get behind. And people may, this may jar you, you may not want to hear it. This decision is as important. Like, whoever you're choosing to be the OC, like the guys manning the offense is as important as who you chose to be your head coach. Agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think, I think it is because this is the this is the people who are, at some point you're going to get a quarterback. At some point you're going to get a young quarterback. These are the people who are going to be tasked with figuring that out, 
And the way this team is going to get to winning, like winning and putting yourself in a situation which you're hoping that that the tenure of D'Amico Ryans will lead to, like the offense got to be right. I mean, we've seen Brandon Staley, I mean, do some crazy things, but Damon lose his job because the offense ain't quite right, even though they got great talent over there. Still trying to figure out, like, people losing their jobs. We're watching it with the Jets, like, people losing their jobs. Yeah. It's just as – D'Amico is huge for what he did. But the most important position is quarterback. That's That's what you have to get right. I understand what – the, the the Niners have done yeah. and but but you ain't Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right now unless I don't think Bobby is. I don't know that but they or maybe Bobby is or maybe whatever. But you get this is as important as hiring well, D'Amico. Well I, I think I think what Kyle's done is is you know, you, you you've shown how if you do things right around the quarterback, from a play he's obviously a great play caller, right? We've seen his offensive coordinators consistently get get poached from his system. So clearly those guys are doing things right. If you surround the quarterback with with individuals that are so beneficial and such great support to that quarterback that other teams are wanting to hire him as head coaches or passing game coordinators as offensive coordinators. If if you do those things, you don't have to hit a grand slam with your quarterback. Like you don't have to land on Pat Mahomes. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if you land on Pat Mahomes. But what what to me what San Francisco has shown is that if you do things right around the quarterback, a guy that's the last draft pick in the draft can play well. Yeah. A, a guy that that you don't even want that you you for a second time now you you got your foot in the middle of his back trying to push him out the door. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's taking you to Super Bowl. You don't even want him, but but he played well when he was there. Why? Because you're surrounding him with great minds, and and the quarterback position is taken care of. It's, like it's that, not- to me, that's the that's that's it's more than one person. It's three, four, five people. Listen, Mike Vrabel has been amazing in Tennessee. He's done a great, a good job in Tennessee. It is not a coincidence that their offense had some injuries but went to hell in a handbasket when Arthur Smith went to Atlanta. And now they've already fired his replacement yeah. in a year. I mean, this is – And you can say they missed on a quarterback. Yes. I mean, they, I don't you think they they're, they're real happy with him. They're not real happy with him. And the quarterback that was playing at some sort of level – there were – they had Ryan Tannehill playing at a level where I think I think you two tried to do this too, but many people were trying to put his numbers in a in a certain light up next to Patrick Mahomes' numbers in a time frame. They can't even they can't even fake themselves to do something like that today with Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis. So like, that is an example right now. Rabel, great coach. His his offensive coordinator bounced, they bring in another one, and they're tanked with the best running back in football. So it is uh, it is clear, clear how important that position is. All right, guys, um, listen to the, uh, as Clint would call it, the football horny clip of the day. There it is. Something it's that got a little ring to it, doesn't touched it, boy? his soul, the football horny clip of the day. Oh, I did like the way I said horny that time. There. That's coming up next. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. All right, stay tuned. Coming up behind us, a couple of real winners, Figgy and T-Mill, the best of today. So stay tuned for that. And um, if you missed the Gary Kubiak interview, I believe you can catch that on the best of. Uh, Gary Kubiak stopped by, talked with the guys, 
from uh, from in the loop. Good interview, so you might want to catch that. Use the Odyssey app if you want to do it, uh, but you can do, hear that right after us on the best of. I just saw somebody text in. I was just talking to our guy, uh, our guy who we call Clay, also known as Chris Santiago, about uh, this uh, this this uh, Mavericks, this Kyrie trade. And somebody texted in and said, mm, the Rockets are the real winners in this trade. Listen, guys. Hey, Houston fans. I am so happy. Listen, wait, wait, wait. The Rockets aren't winners of anything right now. I, I don't care what kind of trade, what kind of – what else. Yes, the Nets, does it, does it help if they're losing? The Rockets just gave up 153 points the other night. <laughs> yeah, to the Oklahoma City Thunder. 153. 153. Which is not good enough. 153. And OKC gave up 121 and didn't give a damn. I mean, really didn't. I'm, I mean, Jalen Green, who you're hoping for promise, who comes in and out, he had 12 points in the game. Like, hey, let's count down on the, can you, can you, the Rockets. Give me the Rockets update. winning this trip. Come on now. Show, like, can, I, can you give me an update on, on my, my theory from Jump Street? Do we have a three through five? Are, are we are we even going man, in the direction I, to have I, a three through five? I, I, listen, I I think we got a five, a, two, a four. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. Like, well, there's two of them. Some some days, but uh, this one person is who I'm saying could be. <laughs> oh, oh, he's 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 jumping around. It ain't man. It ain't it ain't good. Like I mean, if you're a Rockets fan and you're like, oh yeah, the Nets traded Kyrie. Oh man, like oh you you're trusting oh ol gonna get these picks right. O.L. Stone, you trusted he going to get these picks right. <laughs> they gave up 153 points to the 12th seed in the West. Yeah, it's not good. Come on, man. I just, like. So you're telling me I shouldn't even feel good about my, like, from my little old, my little old perch over here. I'm just, I, I just need three, four, five to be right, and then hopefully they can go get, they can go get oh, one and two. Man, I, I don't, I just, it just, it ain't getting, it ain't getting. It ain't getting better, man. It ain't. It ain't just like ain't no. Oh, they're tanking. Like it's uh, man. Like, hundred. I mean, it's just. Ugh. I mean, they gave up forty in the first quarter, and did, I mean, like it wasn't nothing. <laughs> like it wasn't. It wasn't oh, nothing, man. Wow. They gave up forty in the first three quarters. Like forty. Plus, I mean, what are we doing here, man? I just. Like let's let's calm down on the oh they won the trade to won the trade to do what because they sure as hell ain't winning ball games. Just good God Almighty, they made that great. They got they got a lot of assets for that James Harden thing. We'll see what the hell they actually do for it. See if they don't give up 150 to the Kings tomorrow. My goodness, a lot. All right, this is a clip that made you uh that made you football horn. All right, and and and. D'Amico, I think anytime he gives you something offensively, that will that will. That will touch your soul a little bit, but this was uh this was D'Amico, Ryan's the new head coach talking about his vision for the offense. How I envision the offense looking, we want to play with precision, we want to play with effort, we want to play with physicality. With that being, we want to own the line of scrimmage, we want to establish the run game first, but we want to be balanced, operate with play action pass, right? We also want to be efficient. We want to have explosive playmakers who we can get the ball to. If, if it's not down the field, we want to be able to throw a check down, right, and put it in the hands of an explosive playmaker and see him create. Everything about our offense, we want to make sure that we're adaptable to the players that we have, making sure we're playing to the strengths of our players, getting the ball in our playmaker's hand and letting them make plays. 
Ooh, wow. Thank you, D'Amico. What, what, so what's the part that really The whole the whole thing just turns me on because I look, I mean, I'm sitting here, we just went through, we just I just went on for 15 minutes about how important the offensive side of the ball is. I I just to to hear the defensive minded head coach do what what he didn't do with us on Friday or was it Thursday? Thursday um when when he just said be physical, move the line of scrimmage, I can't remember what all he said, but but it was it sounded real lovey like like to to go back and pull that We're piece. We're going to run the football. Yeah, yeah, to go back and pull that piece right there. Just the fact that a defensive minded head coach spent I don't know what that was 40 seconds and Tyler had to cut it down. It was probably 2 minutes worth uh, of of audio of him speaking about offensive football and then you look at like to me the one thing that a coach has to understand and has to do D'Amico clearly understands this we've seen him do it we've heard him talk about it multiple times you got to you got to get your, put your players in position to to have success you you got to you got to put them in put get the ball in your playmakers hands you, you know that's a coach's job is is to do that right and and so all of that and then i think the biggest thing that stuck out to me in that piece of audio was what we had to, what I think one of the worst things, and there's a lot of worse, but there, one of the one of the worst things that 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 Pep Hamilton and the Texans offense did this year was consistently get the football in critical situations to Rex Burkhead, except for the last game of the season, like that. Yeah, well, that yeah, that that changed all of a sudden, but that that absolutely blows my mind looking back on it, and at the time it did as well as looking back on it. And because you because you look at it, you go, okay, it's third and six, third and eight. Okay, defenses are going to be willing to just take everything away down the field, and that they're going to do that anyway. But now you're putting yourself in a position to you're going to check the football down to the to the the least explosive player, skilled player on your team, and you're going to do that by design, right? And so whether I'm talking about just D'Amico speaking at length about the off about offense and what he wants expects out of him, or we narrow it down to the fact that. We don't. Have, we're not going to have to watch Rex Burkhead catch checkdowns or catch screens or 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 be a a primary ball carrier uh, or receiver in critical situations. We don't have to watch that anymore. I, yeah. I, I can't believe that 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 literally is is a, a legit like that we had to do that. But now with D'Amico clearly pointing out, even if we have to check the football down, we're going to check it down to explosive players. That did it for me. Yeah, and and, and I and I think I've been sitting here like okay. D'Amico is a defensive coach, a great defensive coordinator. Um, I think he won um, uh, the Assistant Coach of the Year award I, I saw the other day, and I've been sitting here thinking, how, well, how can he help? How can he help the offense? Right, like if he's a defensive-minded coach, how can he help the offense? And I think it's by that of listen. All right, man. I'm not gonna come in here and, and and put together the scheme, or I'm not the X's and O guys for the offense. But this is what I want. This is what I'm demanding that we have on our offense, right? And and that and that don't just go to the coaches, whoever going to be the offensive coach he he hires. That goes above him. Yeah. To yeah, Nick, yeah, yeah. this this is what I'm demanding. All right. I may not. No, I may not be in there. You know, calling, but this is what I want. All right. I want a great running game us to be able to run the ball in, in many different ways and then I want playmakers getting their ball in the, getting getting the ball in their hands. That shouldn't mean like right man, you know, some of the guys that the, the Texans have had running through here. And I know that that sounds like real easy of oh let's get the, the ball in playmakers' hands. Even before last year, and I'm not saying that was consistently happening. 
right? That was not consistently consistently happening even with Cully, with with him, and even at the end there with, with Romeo with him. That it was not consistently happening. They all right, let's get the ball in our guys. I don't know how many times you talked about how come the hell we don't use Brandon Cooks another another way. Caught him a touchdown out of the backfield. Caught him a, yeah, week sixteen. Yeah, the last one, <laughs> seventeen. Whatever. He ran at TJ. TJ Watt ran, uh, just drilled him on a jet sweep, and so we never saw that again ever. Yeah, and uh, it's just, it's just. I think that's how he can help him. This is what I demand. This is the type of player, and this is the type of things that I expect to see, Nick and assistant coaches and offensive coordinator. I think that's the way he helps. Absolutely. That show there's no there's no question about it whether it's whether it's getting more out of Brandon I'm you, there's a handful of players in this football team right now that if you just use differently and and you use in a creative way the offense changes tremendously. Brandon Cooks, Damian Pierce obviously. Brandon Cooks, Brevin Jordan, you can say you can say Jordan Akins. He was one of them that was used that was used pretty pretty good. Um, not enough. Not enough. But yeah. but but you you can say I mean he, he was he he stood out. Um, I'll go back to Philip Dorsett. Um, you know there, there's you can go down the list, and I'm not talking about these guys are just game changers, but I'm talking about guys that could be used in like like there's no reason for Brandon Cooks and Philip Dorsett to not be guys that one of those two are going to be on the field at all times. And they're either going to be catching that jet sweep, or they're going to make the linebackers hesitate for a minute. We're going to run. We're going to run outside zone the other way, or we're going to run zone read the other way. Like that. That should be a huge part uh, of an offense that has both of those guys in it. Not not setting them outside, slow motion them outside, and get them set, and then check and see what the defense is doing, and then take off and run a eighteen uh, yard comeback. Like that's that. Uh, those are fine, but but it shouldn't be the what the only thing those guys are used for. You should use those guys to create huge opportunities in the run game, and it just was never consistently done. So whether we're talking about going out and finding a Debo Samuel-type guy, that would be great. Um, they're not they're not just running around everywhere available right now, but something like that would be absolutely beautiful. Getting a Christian McCaffrey to go along with with uh, Damian Pierce would be absolutely beautiful. Again, those guys aren't, aren't – you know, they're not everywhere, but you can make an effort into finding those guys, and you can make an effort into using guys that are like them – in, in creative ways in order to create opportunities in the run game. I, I, I'm i just looking forward to that being the case. Yeah, someone here on the Trailer Will and Frame text line, uh, what playmakers show? We ain't got no playmakers, explosive name one. See, here's the deal. Just because just you may not have some of the playmakers like you just named, Debo or Christian McCaffrey, it does not mean that you don't try to put the best playmakers you have in position. To get it, I guarantee you, you watched every game. You know Rex isn't the best playmaker they have. I guarantee you, you watch every game. How many times they ever use Nico's size? How many times you ever yeah. remember them, them giving him jump ball opportunities? Talk about, I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs. Take Travis Kelsey out of the mix. What what guy do they have over there that if you just lined him up somewhere, he's going to be? They're out. Pacheco's out there making plays in the screen game. Miko Hardem is not a standalone receiver. No, he. What, what does he ways do? To get him. Kadarius Tony. He's not a standalone receiver. You find ways to get him the ball in the run game, and you get him in the screen game, and you get him in the, in the quick passing game based off your RPOs and all your different stuff that you do. But what you, find, you don't do is on fourth down and five, and you're going on fourth and goal from the five that you're on purpose. Your number one target is. Rex Burkhead yeah. against Josh Allen. There you go. Uh, 
going one on one on a right. fade route. That's right. Right? Like I, I'm not saying that the Texans have this explosive set of guys rolling around, but they were. It seemed like at times they were saying, "How can we trick them with our yeah. with our weakest guy?" Yeah. All right, go for two. Let's get Laramie Tunzel going here. <laughs> About I'm that just one. saying, like that. Uh, I'm not saying they got great guys, but I mean, how, like we said, how many different ways? But you don't have. You don't have cooks? to. You don't have to have. You don't. Uh, and look, I know we're. Ta- I'm talking about Andy Reid, and we're talking about Pat Mahomes, and we're talking about those two being two of the greatest to ever do it. But and I, I, I'm just saying, that's a perfect example. You want to talk about a team that's doing more with less? Yes. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, them better than I do. But I like, there's not. Well, as you said, you're, you're concerned. You you wonder if Juju could still run a force seven right now. That's it. Do we ever see Juju Smith-Schuster in screens? Do we ever see him catch screens to be the guy? Like, he ain't splitting the safeties, Chief. <laughs> no. No, but we see – but they use him in the ways that they use him in yeah. the middle of the field, the ways that he can be used. Lord have mercy, man. All right, coming up behind us, the best stuff today with Figgy and, uh, and Tyler. They got you set up. Once again, if you missed – that, uh, that great interview with Gary Kubiak. You can listen to that coming up as well. All right, guys, great job today. Uh, Clint, great job as well. Tyler, uh, great job as well. Hopefully, Great this, job to you, man. Uh, thank you, man. Sometimes we need those. Uh, hopefully this means that you, uh, you will carry on through the rest of the week and really nail it. And by Friday, we're, we're really excited and happy. To, uh, to get everything that we can. The best out of time. I, I am, keep an eye on that, Ronnie. Uh, thanks, uh, Ryan. I am Ron, the show Hughley, as always. Houston, we love you, baby. Damn, baby. Them look good. Turn around. <laughs> Turn around. Them look good. Look, at, You ain't taking them back.